This is our number three of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. This is the program where we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and where we provide you with a three-hour oasis of rationality in the desert of insanity, which is the American cultural and political landscape. In just a few moments, we're going to talk about a very strange week in my life, and that's really saying something. When I say I've had a strange week, Leah, you know it's strange because my life is weird to begin with. But Listen, you're in a different stratosphere of weird. Yes, exactly. I fully acknowledge that, for better or for worse, but sometimes it makes for good radio, and I think in this hour uh, that will be proven to be the case. But I will be talking about my preliminary hearing in Pennsylvania – for the most bogus charges you've ever heard of, and how that was directly linked to my continuing efforts to get my wife pregnant. I'll explain momentarily, but before that, I want to at least briefly mention two stories that in a weird way actually do relate, and I'll explain why, to my preliminary hearing. One involves yet another acquittal in the Mm -hmm. Baltimore case where the police officers there were charged in the, the death of, a, of a, basically a scumbag who, who died in the back of a police van under right. bizarre circumstances. Uh, there was a black police officer that had a judge trial, not a jury trial, and he was acquitted uh, this week. So there's still been no convictions there None. at all. None. Uh, we did have a hung jury. Yeah, well, the, and that, by the way, was supposed to be the strongest case that the prosecution had. Correct. The reality is the whole thing was bullcrap. As we should know by now, if it's Black Lives Matter approved, that means it's bullcrap. We, yes. we, know, we know that from Ferguson. We know that from the University of Missouri. We knew that from other cases as well. It was bullcrap. And, of course, it was bullcrap because some of these police officers were black, and none of them had any real incentive to do what they were accused of, nor was there any evidence that they did. But we already had the riots. And we already, by the way, had the city of Baltimore paying the family of the deceased millions of dollars. Before the trial. Right. So, which makes it even more amazing that there's been acquittals. So we've already had the, everything's in the reverse order. We've had the settlements. We've had the riots. Now let's find out what actually happened or. Whoops. Oh, no one's guilty. No one's guilty. Um, Which, and and here's why this is important and why it will relate to my situation, at least uh, tangentially. And that is, we're now living in this very strange and very dangerous world where popularity not only dictates everything in our public life, our politics, our media, it now also dictates our legal proceedings. Yes. Popularity is everything. I mean, maybe O.J. Simpson's case basically brought that into a light that that we didn't want to see and maybe we thought that was a an aberration because oj was such a big celebrity and the case was unique and it was in some ways but the reality is now that we're supposed to be living in a nation of laws where everyone gets treated equally forget about that folks it's all about what's popular to the public and what's popular to the media and these prosecutions were nothing but a way for local Black politicians to placate a black populace that was pissed off and a media that wanted some sort of retribution. They wanted blood. Okay, (laughs) that's what happened there. And this prosecutorial misconduct, by the way, if I was a lawyer, I'd be looking to file a huge suit. Well, I hope someone does, but it's going to be an uphill battle because of the politics 
that I just referenced, especially in the news media. That leads me to what happened today in Sacramento. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but there was not. there was a, uh, and a, a we don't have all the details, but some of the video is just mind blowing. There was apparently a white supremacist rally that was scheduled oh, yes. for the state capitol in Sacramento. <laughs> right. There were some counter-protesters who decided they didn't like that idea. All hell broke loose. At least five people were stabbed. There's video that l- looks like a movie. It looks like a movie where people are on both sides are beating the crap out of each other. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, because... The white supremacist group is being referred to as Nazis, and they're white yep. guys who are seen as racist. I guarantee you that the counter-protesters will not receive anything like what they deserve, regardless of what the facts are. Because there will be no media pressure, there will be no political pressure, and there will be a subconscious presumption that, well, you know... That's the kind of thing that happens when you're faced with the evil of white supremacy, right? It's all justified. It's all justified. So it doesn't matter who's right, who's wrong, what the laws were, what's coming. Right, the other ones are the victims. Of course. We know that. No matter what. We know that because the bad guys have to be the ones with the beliefs we don't like. So, So therefore, we know who the bad guys are. They're the white supremacists. It doesn't matter what actually happened. That doesn't, that's irrelevant. Facts are irrelevant. The law is irrelevant. It's who the good guys are and the bad guys in the minds of the liberal media and therefore most of the public. That's all that matters. And that's, right. and that relates to my situation. Okay. So for those who've missed it, here's the circumstances of, of why I had to go back to Pennsylvania. This You're like week. the Nazi. Yeah. I'm the Nazi in this situation. Although I did nothing wrong and in fact in a remotely rational world i would be praised by anybody who knew anything about the story on multiple levels but i know we don't live in that world Mm -mm. basically what happened is this as i've mentioned numerous times in this program for whatever strange reason i have gotten neck deep in the whole so-called Penn State scan over the last four years i know more about the case than anybody the whole thing is a scam i've proven it to very prominent people in very prominent venues, including on the Today Show a couple of different times with Matt Lauer. You can check out my website, framingpaterno.com. The biggest liar in the whole damn case is Jerry Sandusky's adopted son, Matt Sandusky. I, I, could, I could spend three hours telling you wh- why it's clearly obvious he's a liar, but here's basically what happened. In April, he, he decided to have his first speaking engagement in Pennsylvania. Gee, I wonder why it took him so long to go into Pennsylvania. He himself said, you know, I haven't been really that warmly welcomed in the state. Well, it's because people there actually know him and actually know the (laughs) facts of the case and know he's a lying fraud. But the media has embraced him because he's a he's a celebrity. He's a celebrity Sandusky victim. And that's basically what his gig is now. So he got paid millions of dollars by Penn State for something that didn't happen that he wasn't even eligible for because he was outside the statute of limitations. And he's embraced now as a as a celebrity child abuse victim. So I go across the country to attend this event where he's speaking. I have no plan. As a matter of fact, I said on this show, I did not want to get arrested. I said it because... You had to play golf the next day. Because I had a tea time at Oakmont where they're playing the U.S. Open this year the next day after this event. So I don't want to get arrested. I have no interest in getting arrested. 
I go there. I am clearly targeted. We have video of the whole thing. You can check it out. It's the top blue link, about five or six links down among uh, below red links at uh, framingpaternal.com. We've got video of the whole thing. It's totally documented. I have a ticket, a ticket in my own name to be at this public event. It's obvious from the moment I get there that I'm targeted because Matt is afraid of me being there. Gee, I wonder oh, yeah. why. Gee, why? Why would a sex abuse victim be afraid of somebody who actually knows the facts simply attending his speech? I can't. I can't think of a reason, Leah. Um, so I, I go there as a video. You, you, if you want to check it out at FramingPaterno.com, we'll show you. I do nothing wrong. I sit. In the front row, I get moved. I get pushed by police. I, yeah. I I move when they tell me to. I sit down in the non-reserved seating, which I didn't even know the other seating was reserved. And I sit down. And long story short, I get uh, I get act. I get the police act like I they arrested me without telling me I'm arrested. They pull me out of my chair. They drag me across the floor. They behind, lost a shoe. Right, I lose a shoe behind closed doors. They body slam me to the ground. I still have injuries <laughs> from this. They tie my hands behind my back, handcuff me hard. They, I spend the next three or four hours trying to get out of this mess. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ankle chained to a chair for an hour and 45 minutes with no human contact, not even able right. to use my phone. Uh, well, my phone is exploding in social oh, media. Oh, I know Twitter is going nuts. I, it was, it was beyond a nightmare. And and so I, I get arraigned that night via Skype with a, a local judge, and I get told I'm being charged with trespassing and resisting arrest, which is insane because it's a public place I had a ticket for, and I didn't even know I was under arrest, so how the hell can you resist anything when you don't even know you're under arrest? I'm facing nine years in jail. Nine years in jail for this. So insane. And, and of course... I, I, you didn't do anything. I mean... And, okay, and, and, and you were a little belligerent uh, talking back, but, no, no, no. you know... I was not belligerent. Here's why. When, if you look at the video, and I know you can't hear the audio, but this is key. When I get told to move from the original seat, as my tweets prove, I now know I'm getting arrested that night. I know it. I know I've been targeted. It's plain as day. I know I'm going down, okay? So I'm saying to that police officer, are you telling me to leave under force of law as a law enforcement official or is this a suggestion on behalf of the organizers you just don't want me sitting there he would not answer the question and that was key to everything because i needed to know that for the next time they confronted me is this am i being told under force of law, or are you just intimidating me because you don't want me there because Matt Sandusky <laughs> is uncomfortable having me in the front row where he has to look at me? They wouldn't tell me, Leah. So, anyway, long story short. So that's why you kept asking. Yes, because I needed. Okay. Because I right. needed an answer because I knew. Because okay. I knew. I, I, you my, knew it was going I down. I knew what was going down, okay? My okay. spidey senses are pretty darn good, all right? I, okay. And I'm even tweeting at the time. The, 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 <laughs> you know, I'm saying, arrest, arrest chances high, arrest chances medium. I mean, I, I knew, and I needed an answer. I never got an answer because I don't think they knew the answer. Anyway, so this week was my preliminary hearing. To go back to uh, Pennsylvania to try to kill these charges before there was actually a trial. But it was also a critical moment in our efforts to try to get my wife pregnant. And that's how these two stories intersect and where we'll pick this up when we come back on the John and Leah show. 
John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. So, Leah, my uh, preliminary hearing for the most bogus charges that I've ever heard of was uh, scheduled for this past Thursday in Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, which, by the way, is about as difficult a place to get to from where I live in Ventura County, California, as almost any I can imagine in the United States of America. And so, um, as luck and fate would have it, of course, if you know anything about my life, and I know you do, you'll not be surprised to know that um, my luck does not tend to run particularly good. And if something can go wrong, it almost certainly will. (laughs) And as I've mentioned numerous times in this program, my wife and I are in a uh, last-ditch effort to try to get her pregnant. Yes. And to have a second. Gone at the IV route. Right. And and to be clear here, this is not a, a casual situation. We are we have three shots at this, taking this out of the th- theoretical, putting it into the practical. Basically, we've got three shots. Literally, there's shots involved for hormones for her. Um, yes. We've got we've got three shots before this doesn't really work anymore. And we're spending a ton of money for these three shots. And there's one day during each cycle where she is, you know, ovulating, most fertile, and that's when the insemination is supposed to occur. Right. And that's when they need my sperm. Yes. Well, super sperm. Right. Well, thankfully, the only reason why I'm still married is because, miraculously, I apparently, according to the doctors, have super sperm, like off the charts. So that's what's keeping my wife remotely happy with me, especially when I'm going back for to face charges in Pennsylvania. And could go to prison for nine right, years. Right, I faced nine years in prison. So, lo and behold, shockingly to nobody, certainly not me, the day that she is ovulating this particular cycle happens to be the very day of my preliminary hearing. No way. So, yeah, like a one in 30 chance of that <laughs> happening, that of course happens. So now yeah. we've got a, a, a major problem. Now, if because my sperm is super sperm, it is apparently okay, although certainly not ideal, for me to freeze the sperm before I go to Pennsylvania. But okay. because, because that might diminish our chances a little bit and because it's actually very expensive, we decide let's not do that because I'm going to give my sperm directly there at the, the fertility clinic – on my way to the airport the day before my wife gets inseminated, and this will allow it to be refrigerated. It will save us some money, and it will also maintain the viability of the sperm. Okay. Well, of course, you know. Traffic jam. Getting to LAX is always a problem. You never know how long it's going to take. And sure enough, I'm supposed to I, – I schedule an appointment to give my sperm at the fertility clinic at 8.15, which would give me plenty of time, even under the worst circumstances, to get to the airport at LAX in time. Yes. Except the person in front of me can't get the job done. <laughs> so now I'm in a whole lot of trouble, which is where we'll they pick – They got sh- one room? We'll, we'll one p- room? One room, and we'll, what? P- we'll pick the story up when we return on the John and Leah show.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. So we pick up the story of me trying to go to Pennsylvania this week to face the most ridiculous charges ever in a preliminary hearing. And because my wife is uh, ovulating on that particular day and we're trying to get uh, pregnant in a last-ditch effort through, I guess you would call it... uh, Artificial insemination. I don't know what. I don't even know what the right phrase is, but basically, my in sperm vitro in, vir- in vitro fertilization. Okay, whatever. IVF. Okay, so so anyway, we're spending all this money. We've only got three shots to do this. We decide that the best way to do it is on the day that I'm leaving, on my way to LAX airport, that I would deposit my sperm at the fertility clinic, and you know I've got some time to work with, but not that much. And the room, they only have one room to do this, is not opening up. It's not opening up, and I'm starting to get very agitated because I'm presuming, oh, my gosh, the traffic's going to get bad. We're we're in rush hour. I mean, LAX is incredibly unpredictable. You can get to LAX. I don't know if you know this, Leah, because it's happened to me a couple times. You can get to LAX say like an hour and 15 minutes before your flight and still have a problem because it might take you a half hour to find parking. Uh, The traffic is so bad within the airport itself. So I'm starting to get very agitated. Finally, the room opens up, and I've never done this before. The previous time I deposited my sperm at home, so I'm in control of the environment. So I'm not really (laughs) sure what to expect. I'm assuming they're going to have some inspiration there maybe in, a, in the magazine uh, area well there are no magazines there's no pictures all there is is a a vcr that i guess would play some porno if you wanted and i have no idea what kind of porno and i didn't have time to find out i'm like what i i, I don't i don't want to have to figure out how to work this thing i don't know how long it's going to take for the porno to warm up to the good part maybe i won't even like the, this particular porno i mean this is this is not what i'm expecting so you now know, i think you could probably access porno on your phone these days zig well that's what i decided to do so uh, so now i go to my phone and i you know call up some some good pictures or whatever and i'm thinking my first thought is how bizarre is this that if, if, in fact, this works and we eventually become pregnant through this, that some woman I've never met or will ever meet <laughs> is randomly selected on my phone as the inspiration for my sperm deposit. I you mean, know it is what it is. It's, it's pretty strange. Not only is that strange, but, you know, I know you've never had to do this and I've never had to do this either. I'm in a room. There's no bed. There's a there's a chair. But but I, I'm thinking. <laughs> I don't know whether or not to do this standing up or to do it sitting <laughs> sitting down because there's no good way to do this. From a logistical standpoint, standing up, the angles, trying to get the sperm into a cup, are terrible. I mean, it is the most awkward thing you can possibly imagine, even if you weren't in a strange place. So I decided I'm going to do this standing up. And I'm, so I'm trying to hold my phone in one hand. Oh, but, my God. What a nightmare. No, it gets worse. So then, of course, I'm, I'm using my iPhone. A couple times, the iPhone goes silent, so I lose the picture. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to get this thing done. I got to get this. Oh, by the way, I forgot another element of the story. So part of my issue is, you know, even though I got this super sperm, is that there was a miscommunication on how long I was supposed to wait 
in order, you know, to be reserved up for this sperm deposit. And okay. the day the day before, we had gone to the doctor and we'd been convinced I had waited too long. So my wife and I had to have sex the day before. So now I'm only working on one day. <laughs> of deposits, uh, so to speak. So I got to make sure that, you know, I get everything I got out of this. I mean, I, I can't leave anything in the tank. So, so look, our marriage depends on it. It actually does. Cause if my sperm count goes in the toilet, uh, you know, she's going to get rid of me. Cause that's basically all I'm offering at this point. So, um, so long story short, I, I make the deposit. Um, I it, getting to LAX is a nightmare. Uh, by the way, my sperm count, Turned out to be fantastic, so that that's oh. that's good. Uh, despite I got you. not as good as last time, but you know I think there were obviously some circumstances that uh, explained that. But my wife and doctors were very happy about the sperm counts. So then I go to Pennsylvania, and mm-hmm. it, it, I mean this is an incredible grind. I mean I, I barely I barely get to LAX in time. Uh, you know, fly to Philadelphia, then to Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Uh, by the way, this is this whole story is going to end up as the most expensive and most aggravating trip to the Little League World Series Museum in the history of the Little League World <laughs> Series Museum because that's about all I got out of the deal uh, was a trip to Williamsport there. But the actual uh, hearing was in Lewisburg the next day, which is just outside of uh, Williamsport. And as I've already mentioned, these are the most bogus, ridiculous charges ever. But I'm getting very, very nervous about the whole thing because I'm starting to realize that my lawyer, who's charging me quite a bit of money, is not only incompetent, he's also insane. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh, God. And you might be wondering, well, how did you get an incompetent, insane lawyer? Well, this is part of the incredible disadvantage that anyone is at, but especially someone like me who's on the politically, quote unquote, wrong and certainly unpopular side yes. of this particular issue. This no is, one wants to take this on well, in that tiny little town. But that's not that that's even it's even worse than that, because because I live in California and I, and I when after the, the, the charges happened, I went to Oakmont to play golf. The next day I went back to California. Yeah. I was supposed to face the preliminary hearing the next week which was impossible. So I needed a continuance immediately, which meant I needed a lawyer immediately, which meant I got a a friend of a friend to recommend this guy. It was obviously a poor recommendation. And, you know, he sounded competent. He got the continuance. And I'm thinking, okay, I might as well stick with him. At this point, I don't know any better. I can't meet with anybody because I'm in California. They're in Pennsylvania. He's a local guy. How bad could this be? Plus, you know, the facts are all on our side. We got video of the whole damn thing. And and at first, he's giving me the impression that we can kill this whole thing in a preliminary hearing and we're going to put a whole case on. And I'm like, fantastic. I want to testify. I want my witnesses to testify. I want to stay there all night long if we have to because I'm only going to make one trip to Pennsylvania, which, by the way, you never do in a preliminary hearing. You never, you never, the defense never puts on a case. They certainly never have the, the defendant testify. But I didn't care because I knew I was right. I knew we had all the evidence and I did not want to return. Right. That's so, right. It's, so, it's expensive. It's ridiculous. And I'm, you know, also, I never realized what a psychological impact having this hanging over your head has. I mean, the idea, even though I knew I was never going to fa- really face nine years in prison, to be theoretically know. facing nine years in jail over, for something you did not do and having your daughter reference it from time to time because she, she's picked up fragments of the story. Um, I mean, it, it was incredibly stressful. I, especially because I have no faith in the system and I had no faith in the fact that 
that a, a potential jury or a judge could overcome the fact that I'm seen as the bad guy in this situation, even though I'm the good guy. So, so we we go there for the hearing, and I'm I'm my. Uh, attorney shows up later than he said about a half hour later than he said i'm furious and uh, the other side is loaded for bear i mean all the cops show up all their witnesses show up it's clear that they are taking this seriously and by the way it's also clear they've been listening to this radio show uh which became an issue uh, as we moved along in this process but here's the key situation so before we actually have the hearing my lawyer decides that our entire plan is no longer in play for no reason at all. He decides, what? You're crazy. You're not testifying. We're not putting on a case. And I'm like, what is going on here? I mean, I'm, that's why I'm thinking that guy but you is, had discussed it. It was laid out that way. That was the plan. Yes, absolutely. Numerous uh. times. And that's why I'm, I'm thinking this guy is crazy. He's nuts. <laughs> and, he's, and I'm getting a nutty vibe from him. So then he comes back all of a sudden about 15 minutes before the hearing's supposed to start and he says look uh they want to make a deal and i'm like okay fine what well, what's the deal and the deal is that they were going to drop all the charges but they were going to add this bs disorderly conduct basically a traffic ticket uh charge and fine me uh you know a couple of hundred bucks plus court costs and I would have to give away my right to sue them because they were what they were oh. they were clearly very concerned Worried. about that because I had a, an excellent civil case against them for, for a lot of things. I mean, to me, the essence of this case, and this is this is the this is the part where if I was not on the unpopular side of this story, this would have been a national news story. Oh, sure. Be, because because here's here's what happened in the in in boiling it down to the core when they went to pick me out of my chair that was just innocently sitting there waiting for this event to start, uh, where I had a ticket in my own name for it. And they told me I was to leave. I had to make an instantaneous decision, Leah Brandon, to give up voluntarily numerous constitutional rights. My constitutional right to freedom of association, because I had a ticket to be at a public event. My constitutional right for freedom of the press, because I was there as a journalist and I was being taken out of there because of my opinion on the case and nothing more. And I was also allowing my free speech to, to have prior restraint upon it, which is the worst kind of free speech infringement there is. I mean, it's one thing to be punished for something you say. It's another thing to be punished for something, punished you, for something you may say. You might say and haven't said yet, but that's what they were doing. And so I instantaneously had to make that decision. And I thought, I literally went through in, in seconds in my mind. I'm like, I cannot walk out of here voluntarily because if I do that I'm I am disgracing the Constitution of the United States so I was I was not given more than two or three seconds to even think about it I get yanked out of there dragged across the floor I scream out Matt's a liar and you know a fraud and this is what <laughs> happens when you talk about him or you want to talk, tell the truth about him and then I get uh, you know, I believe I got abused by the police during the actual arrest process they never even told me I was arrested so now I got to decide what to do about this deal and that's where we'll pick up this story when we come back on the John and Leah show The 
This is the final segment of this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Zickler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. Monday morning, you'll be able to catch all of this program, as you can all of the podcasts, at freespeechbroadcasting.com via SoundCloud and iTunes. In this uh, final segment, uh, I'll finish up the uh, story I've been telling this uh, full hour about my trip back to Pennsylvania this week for the preliminary hearing I faced on the most bogus charges I've ever heard of. And so, Leah, I was offered this deal, which I hated. and But I knew, I, I knew the instant that this event happened back in April, I told the people I was with this is what it was going to come down to because – I knew they were going to try to save face. They were going to need to have me plead guilty to something. And I also knew that they would have me by the balls because I live in California. And the aggravation and expense of trying to fight this is exponentially greater than if I was local. Not to mention, you know, the difficulty of finding a good lawyer and all that. So I get this deal, which my lawyer tells me is awesome. He thinks I'm crazy. He, he thinks I'm not even, he, he thinks I'm crazy for not even immediately accepting it. And I'm no way. I'm like, I cannot do this. This is, this is just absurd. I didn't do anything wrong. They're the ones that did, did something wrong. I got my constitutional they rights violated. And they don't want me to sue them. Exactly. That's why they, they want me to give up my, my right to, to sue civilly. That's just insane that uh, they would make you give up your right to sue. Well, I tried everything. I sent him back into negotiations four or five times, which by the way, I know that, you know, lawyers do this all the time, but, and I've had this happen on a couple of occasions. I don't think I would have had a choice if I had said, can I go with you? I don't think you would have let me. But I think it's very dangerous because I think especially a local lawyer has a conflict of interest in those situations because they have to still deal with these people. Yes, they do. And I don't. And um, and so you should have gone in and done it. I don't know that you should have gone in well, and been the I, lawyer. I wish I look. It's easy to say that now. But here's here's the circumstances as I was facing. As I said in the last segment, I feel like there were some really important constitutional issues that were violated here but i also know that i have zero public support zero media support by the way if this had been in state college pennsylvania i would have had a shot because at least there people know the case they know me it would have been very difficult to find 12 people that would convict me in state college pennsylvania this is far enough away where all these people know the case but they don't have the truth they're not close enough to know the That's real right. story. So I, I'm actually really screwed. It couldn't, almost couldn't be a worse place for this. I'm realizing that my attorney is incompetent and nuts. I got a wife who's trying to get pregnant. I got a four-year-old daughter who, you know, if I go to trial, I'm supposed to be taking care of her. So I have no control over when a trial is going to take place. If it takes place while my wife is working, uh, especially if she's not pregnant, I mean, my, I'm getting divorced. You got to share with the barrel. Oh, my God. My, my balls are like raisins at this point. So, <laughs> But I'm still trying to fight. I'm fighting with my raisin balls as hard as I can fight. I, I send them back in there four or five times. I, they, they, they knock down the, the fine to only $100, and I finally say, uncle, okay, fine. You know, whatever, because it's it's ridiculous. I mean, they, they, they've they've dumped all the the original charges. They've dropped them all. It's basically a traffic ticket just so they can claim that they didn't totally back down. And so we go into the hearing to make this official, and <laughs> things almost go awry on a couple of occasions. First of all, they have my attorney ask me whether or not I am giving up my rights to sue different entities in this case. And as he's doing this, I'm realizing I'm not under oath. 
Well, guess who also realized I'm not under oath? My attorney, stupidly, tells everybody, you know what? He's not under oath, Your Honor. Maybe oh, we should put him my. under oath. He's like, a lunatic. I know. Gee, thanks, guy, cause, who I'm paying thousands of dollars for nothing. So so he puts me under oath, and now I have to list one by one all these people that I'm not going to sue. Interestingly, one important person entity is left off the list. And this Ooh. is the only saving grace of this element of the story. For whatever reason, maybe because they, they forgot, maybe because they don't care about him, maybe it's a combination Matt. I never said I'm not going to sue Matt Sandusky, who is the uh, only person I really want to sue here because I want to get him under a uh, deposition. So so I did not give up my right to sue Matt Sandusky. Now well, we, that's just brilliant. Right. So then, so then the judge brings me up to sign the citation. And this is where things almost go haywire because no one told me that on the citation, it's only for 100 bucks, is a brief description of what allegedly happened. And I read it, I'm like, that's not what happened. That's not even close to what happened, Your Honor. And so everyone, the people that are supporting me in the in the room, and there were a few that showed up, are like, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. we, we know Ziggler. He's going to tear this whole thing down. And the funny part of this whole thing was they thought that I was objecting to the fact that I had screamed out, Matt's a liar, in the description of, of what the citation was for. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You're, you guys don't understand. I'm thrilled that that part is in the citation because this is going to be, I didn't say this, but this is going to be a collector's item someday when people find out that Matt really is a liar and I'm being forced to pay a $100 fine by the local government because I can't say that Matt Sandusky is what he exactly is, a liar. I'm thrilled with that part. The other part was that they completely misrepresented what I was arrested for and went in the sequence of events and everything. So long story short, uh, the DA says, well, you know, Your Honor, we've been listening to his radio show, and he said this about what, you know, he said about Matt. I'm like, Your Honor, this is not this is not the issue. I don't care that, that it says that I said Matt's a liar because I'm fine with that. I'm glad that's in there. It's the other part about how I was taken out of the reserve seating, and that I, that's when I was uh, disorderly. And I mean, you have it on video. Right. Long story short, um, I, I realized that while I disagreed vehemently with their quote-unquote logic, that I – I did kind of understand their, their claim. It's bogus that their claim is because you've already referenced it. When I argued with the police, when that first time I was removed from that quote unquote reserve seating that I didn't know it was reserved. And I was told I could be there by the organizer of the event that that argument that me arguing with them over that was disorderly conduct. That's what they're claiming. And that that's what I got fined a hundred dollars for. So that's what, that's what I am. So I, here's the bottom line of all this. I do nothing wrong. I'm the wronged party. I am forced to go all the way to Pennsylvania to the boondocks of Lewisburg in, in rural Pennsylvania at a great expense, paying off my lawyer probably thousands of dollars plus the aggravation and expense of all that travel. I have to pay a $100 fine for something I did not do with a description that's not accurate, and you know, and, and plus the court costs. And all of this because 
One, I'm a white guy. If I was black, none of this would have happened. Two, I'm on the unpopular anti-media side of the story. If I had been on the popular side, none of this would have happened. The case would have been dropped immediately because the media would have forced it to. And they would have had no leverage. Life is about leverage. And in this particular situation, I had less than zero leverage on every level except the facts, the law, and the truth. But unfortunately, the facts, the law, and the truth, they no longer matter. It's about politics and popularity and covering one's ass. That's what the legal system is. And I learned a hell of a lot in this whole circumstance. I'm, I'm still fit to be tied about it, but at least it's behind me, and at least I'm not going to prison with my daughter as a four-year-old and my wife trying to get exactly. pregnant. That's the bottom You're good line. to go. <laughs> All right. I'm sure that's not the last time we'll talk about it. Lee, as always, thanks so much for your time. Thank you very much. Until next Sunday, have a great week. Podcasts tomorrow at freespeechbroadcasting.com. My name's John Ziegler.